Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. Grab a drink and take a seat. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. We are a horror podcast that aims to explore the world of fear with the help of Dutch courage. <laughs> I'm drinking stout tonight, and it appears Lily is on... Chardonnay. Yeah. Two buck chuck. <laughs> so raise your glasses, guys, because it's story time. Yes. And uh, I usually start off the stories uh, because our goal is to always scare each other. Chase has started to really bring up his UFO. My encounters. Encounters. And not today. I got something special. Yeah, that's right. I mentioned you mentioned something like that. I'm not sure what it is. I'm a little uh, excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yes. This story that I have for today is not a recommendation. But it is one that I've seen uh, fairly recently on Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. Like the old school Unsolved Mysteries? The old school one. (laughs) All right. Because, like, the new guy, he's fine, but he's not the old guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there's a real guy in the new, new, new one. Oh, but I was thinking, like, the middle new one. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Because there's the original, and then they got a new guy for a couple seasons. He's like, yeah, he had also silver hair. Yeah, he he was in Snatch. And then um, that's right. And then and then there's the new new one that doesn't really. Yeah, no, no. But I'm in. Yeah. All right. I mean, like old school, super old. Yeah. So my story for today is the. Now tell me if you've heard of it. I don't know. The Busby Stoop Chair. No stoop chair. Stoop chair. Yeah, and it's also known as Dead Man's Chair and Chair of Death. So I've heard of the electric chair. Yeah, that's not the same. Although if there was a chair to be haunted, that would be it. I, uh, I'm actually pretty sure that there are several that are considered to be haunted. Ooh, I'll look into those later. Yeah. No, this one is actually very different. All right. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of my sources today are going to be obviously Unsolved Mysteries because I watched the whole episode again. I'm like, ooh, let's see. And then uh, just Wikipedia, of course, but then other sources um like blogs and whatnot and you know just those reliable ones i think one that i actually had a lot of information was called the haunted palace and i remember noting that in there as well and then i cross-reference just to make sure that it was at least a, a consistent story throughout and so it seems like a lot of the information i got from these places are very consistent in any other site that you might visit so anyway sure just wanted to throw that out there so that way people know that it's pretty Well-known, I suppose. Yeah, so let's start with a little backstory. It's called Busby Stoop Chair because there was actually a guy called Thomas Busby who owned a local pub slash inn in the mid-1600s, maybe early 1700s. The time frame is very unsure. But anyway, it's in Thirsk, England, which is North Yorkshire. And hey, Yorkshire, yay, represent, <laughs> represent. <laughs> yes, that was a really good, it's a good area. The time frame is a little weird, like I said, um, but ultimately, I don't know, it was just a really long time ago. So, Busby was married to Elizabeth, who was a daughter of a guy named Daniel Otty. Now, Otty was a thug and he kind of ran like a counterfeit coin business and did a lot of other illegal activity. And uh, stand up citizen type, yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't know him (laughs) very specifically. The guy who knows people, yeah. He knows a guy who knows a guy, and he can get you some fake coins, I guess. 
the, yeah, so so very specifically for the purpose uh, to continue his life of crime, he purchased a farm on a hill and built secret passageways below the ground. And Busby, who I mentioned before, who owns the pub, he was going to marry his daughter, who was Elizabeth. I think I mentioned that. Didn't I just say that? Mm-hmm. I, said, I just said that. Okay. Anyway, so because of that, you know, since he is going to be marrying his daughter, he also ended up being involved in the business as well. Sure. And even though that was, he had an end to the family, it didn't mean that Ati liked him. Mm-hmm. So they there was like always friction from the beginning between these two guys. And it also didn't help that Busby was a raging alcoholic. Well, one night it seemed like the fight really escalated because when I guess Busby got to his pub, which is where he always hung out and drank, of, of course, um, he saw Auntie sitting at his pub in his favorite chair. Oh, man. Yes. What a dick. What a dick. I mean, it's not like he didn't know that Busby had yeah, This a isn't assigned seating, bro. <laughs> like, they can do pride of the teacher. Yeah. What a bitch. He is the teacher. Well, okay, so basically what happened is Busby, when he was there, he was already drunk. Like, when he got there and he saw he saw him in his chair. So he was going to handle this maturely. So everything was going to go really well, yes. And basically they were in a huge fight. Ati was like, hey, I really... Like, he's trying to talk to him about something and saying, like, I'm taking my daughter with me. You're just, like, a bum. And he's, like, basically saying, we're done. Sure. And Busby's like, get out of my chair. <laughs> That's all he cares about. <laughs> and so... It's like, I'm sorry I couldn't hear all your whining because yeah. you're in my chair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he said it just as eloquently, too. He <laughs> was probably just... <laughs> <"Nana>, chair. <laughs> <laughs> so he does eventually he leaves and he says i'm taking my daughter with me blah 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 anyway busby's still really freaking apparently just fired up from the whole situation and really insulted i have a feeling like if the guy really wanted to piss him off like while he's leaving he could literally pick up the chair and walk out with it <laughs> taking it with me i'm just take, taking the essence of the chair um so anyway yeah he's really upset about it still so he's like screw this i ain't gonna let him come on my turf and disrespect I'm sure that's how he said it too. Mm. And he <laughs> he fronted. And then he like walked. So I guess from the pub to Adi's house, which was on a farm on a hill, it was about three miles. He walked the entire way to get to his house that's a good way to for revenge. A little bit. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't bring a bottle with him or anything. <laughs> uh, so he finally gets there. And obviously, because like I said earlier, a lot of the illegal activity that was being trafficked through on his land was through the tunnels. So. Sure. He just went through the tunnels to get into his house, which I guess he had access to because he was part of the entire business of it. So he goes into the house. Wait, so nothing happened in the tunnels? No, no, no. That's how he gets into the house. Okay. Yeah. Um, So he gets into the house through the tunnels and with hammer in hand, bludgeons Adi to death. And he tries to hide the body, but he just kind of throws it into the forest. I guess that was just as best as he could do in his drunken state. And, of course, since there wasn't a whole lot of effort into hiding the body, they eventually found it Mm -hmm. and found Busby to be guilty as well. Now, he was sentenced to death, but before he was executed, he had one request that was granted to him. He can request whatever he wanted. It was... (laughs) It was a drink? It was for a pint of his favorite ale... In his favorite chair in his pub. That was his last wish. 
and he got it. So he sat there and, you know, enjoyed the last beer and the last moments of his life as long as he could. And then as he got up slowly and began walking away, he suddenly turned around, pointed at his favorite chair and exclaimed, may sudden death come to anyone who dares to sit in my chair. God, this guy's an asshole. He's really just, I don't know, bitter or something. Before you continue, I have a few things I want to say. Okay, ask or tell. So remind me the time frame we're dealing with here. This is like mid-1600s, maybe late or early 1700s, like super early. I mean, I figured it is pretty old, but I'm so glad we don't do last requests like this anymore because how ridiculous is it to take a prisoner to a bar so he can drink and have one last fun thing? Dude, you murdered someone. Like, you either need to be punished in whatever way. I'm not necessarily advocating the death penalty. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, So, So this is, this is like, a weird. It's just, like, it's if you're gr- going to ground a kid. He's like, <laughs> but can I watch, like, an episode of Spider-Man right before you ground me? And they're like, why not? He's going to have to deal with the grounding. So that's bull. Nowadays, all we do is, like, a last I meal. I think it's, like, a last meal thing, though. But even now, the last meal isn't anything you want. Like, you can't say, I want a pizza from this special place on the other side of the planet. Like, it's whatever the cook can make so if you say like yeah. if you say you want escargot and he doesn't know how to make it I look mean, i don't know how big this town is so if they're like hey it's busby i used to like go into his pub all the time i'm just gonna grant him this thing i don't know but i mean this guy i mean obviously because he bludgeoned someone to death while <laughs> drunk has problems yeah. but this guy is more obsessed with his chair than like most people are with their own children yeah, I think he really, he killed for his chair. He killed for his honor to have the chair only to be his. I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't there. <laughs> so I have further questions, but I think they might be answers. I'm going to let you roll, okay. and I'll see if you approach them. We'll see if I do. Um, so, of course, like I said, he cursed the chair. There are some variations of what it was he said, but ultimately he did curse the chair in the intent that nobody better fucking sit in it or you will die i mean is it like a really good chair that no it's just like a in? wooden chair so it's not like i mean i know we're talking 600 but it's not like this amazing lazy boy where everyone's like god i gotta <laughs> chill out in it it's a recliner well, yeah i mean no. what the 1600s weren't necessarily known for their incredible comfort level in furniture so i, I mean, mean i don't know but like as far as i know no i don't think so and when you look at the pictures, because it still exists, it's just a wooden chair, like a dining room chair, kind of, but wood with like hand, like hand, or uh, what is it? Handles? Not handles. <laughs> what do you call them? Armrests. Good God. Thank so, you. Armrests. Just imagine, <laughs> this is like the 1600s, you know, hygiene's whatever, and a million people are sitting on it. You know that chair smells like butt. But it's wood, I guess. It smells like butt and wood. But wood. <laughs> the new fragrance. <laughs> Like, Calvin Klein. <laughs> Don't steal it from me, Calvin Klein. <laughs> CK1, wooden butt. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so... So like I said, he was going to be sentenced to death. However, he wasn't just like hanged or anything. It wasn't even that simple. What happened was, he was hung from a gibbet, dipped in tar, and then left to die hanging outside in front of his own pub. Whoa, yeah. that's rough. 
I don't know what a gibbet is. Okay, I didn't either. And then I had to look it up. So a gibbet is a cage that is meant to hold prisoners or keep oh. them. Is it uh, kind deadly. of like your feet can hang out the bottom that yeah. I always see in, in movies, but like the movie that literally came into my mind when I saw this was Willow. Willow with Mad Mor- Mad, Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Yeah, he yeah. was that's how we saw him for the first time. He was like in one of he was in a gibbet. I didn't know that's what it was called, but yeah, so that is a gibbet. <laughs> see if I can remember that. Yeah. In the future, if I forget, you're just going to be like, Val Kilmer Cage. I'll be like, gotcha. <laughs> Val Kilmer Cage. You cannot contain the Kilmer, Chase, <laughs> okay? Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. And, uh, yeah, so he died there. Dipped in tar. So he was pretty much, like, humiliated and, well, I don't know. That would have hurt, right? Like, it would have been would have been hot tar. I don't know. Well, Tar is usually hot, so it's liquid. Yeah. It doesn't super have to be, but I'm assuming he was just going to starve to death out there. Yeah. Covered in tar, which is an incredibly unpleasant experience. It just sounds like a really bad time. So, okay. He still cursed the chair. He's outside of his pub hanging dead body. I mean, it just screams haunted, I think. It also screams 1600s. <laughs> also 1600s, <laughs> which, by the way, everything is haunted. So, thanks, 1600s. It's true. <laughs> So let's talk about what the chair has done since then. There are a lot of popular stories and ones that I was able to, like I said, kind of cross-reference with a lot of sites and stuff just to make sure Sure. that at the very least it's somewhat accepted as true and some of them actually even had articles of said deaths. So like these people actually existed. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, I knew a guy, his name is Fred, probably he dead too. But I mean, are these, I'm assuming these are elaborate stories because I can guarantee you because I'm a genius that everyone who (laughs) ever sat in that chair is dead. I mean, yes, they are all dead. It's just kind of a thing that happens when something is really old. In my notes, I just have deaths. So (laughs) okay, yeah, here we go. Uh, one of the first recorded incidents was a chimney sweeper in 1894. Quite the discrepancy of time since the chair has existed way before that, but I'm just going to let it slide. Okay, so the chimney sweeper, he stopped by the pub after work with some friends. He sat in the chair all night, and but he didn't know it was cursed, so he wasn't like fooled into it or anything. The kid goes and gets super hammered and decides to stumble home. Okay, the next day... People saw the same chimney sweeper dead hanging from the post right next to where the gibbet would have been. Oh, man. That's rough. That is really rough. I was going to say, I was like, chimney sweeps had not the highest life expectancies back then, but I was like, it's not like he died in the chimney here now, is it? No, that is very much not (laughs) a chimney. I was like, so that kind of makes this a, a, how would the detective say it? A suspicious death. (laughs) A suspicious death. Yeah, I... I would certainly say so, but I guess they didn't have any evidence to figure out it was a murder or anything like that, so they actually just ruled it as a suicide. suicide. Yeah. However, there are, I guess, either evidence or it's just like part of the story where one of the victim's friends who was actually with him that night at the pub ended up admitting at at his deathbed that he robbed his friend and killed him. So that could have been what happened. I mean, I. why would you admit something that wouldn't, though? Well, maybe he killed a different friend. He's, mean, like, <laughs> he's like, no, not that one. I mean, he was... He was <laughs> or that one, too. He was on his deathbed. I mean, he may not have been a sound mind. What? Yeah, but I don't know if you start making up murders. You're like, I think I murdered people. Well, I'm sure he murdered someone. I believe he did it, but... All right, anyway. Okay, so he, he was murdered. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So another story. 
During World War II, the Busby Stoop Pub, which is what it's called now, I guess. It's still around? It is no longer. Oh, bummer. I was thinking that would be kind of interesting to see. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I'm assuming we're slowly working towards the present. So, World War II-ish? World War II-ish. Became actually a famous area for the RCAF, Royal Canadian Air Force, Mm -hmm. airmen that were stationed there that was nearby the pub. And it was obviously a constant game and kind of a challenge for them to sit in the chair. Well, residents began to notice a very obvious trend that the men that sat in the chair and went to war never returned. Okay, it's a war though, right? So like, here we go. Yeah, it's World War Two too, with particularly <laughs> high casualties. Yeah, but I don't know. I think like I read somewhere and I don't really know anything about these kind of statistics of war or like World War Two. But they said that like their air force and what tasks they had were not that high of fatality. But I'm not sure. I think that it, was like it, one article I read. It kind of so. depends, and also depends on the theater and everything. Yeah. But I mean, I think you could statistically say that pilots probably had a higher chance of living than right, uh, like an infantryman. But yeah, I don't have the statistics either. That's a little weird. Yeah. Essentially, what they're saying is that it kind of started becoming like a bad omen. Like, people notice, like, no, literally, like, everyone who sits in that chair. And not every soldier would do it. Some of them were pretty superstitious. I mean, that's just how people are, right? Like, some people would do it. Some people wouldn't do it. And uh, every single one that would seem like they would die at war. So, so since we, like, jumped from when this guy was executed in, like, the 1600s all the way to the 1800s of the chimney sweep, and now we're in World yeah. War II... This is a really old chair. It's a very old chair. So I have questions. You know, one being, why didn't the bar just get rid of it? Because he cursed who sat in it. He didn't say, but that chair must always stay here. All I'm saying is, like, my computer chair, which is made out of steel mm-hmm. and, like, and like metal. Yeah. I'm at, like, maybe five years on it, and it is falling apart. Maybe they kept repairing it. Although, I don't think touching it was really a good thing either. Between a 400-year-old chair. I mean, I guess you're right. They if, do exist. If they're but... saying that, um, I'm not saying they don't exist, but this isn't a bar. This isn't like sitting in a nice uh, room in like a castle or an aristocrat's house and it's mm-hmm. like never used and it's just this ornamentary thing. This isn't a bar. Like when we go to bars, those chairs get beat up. Yeah. And so my only thought for how it would last this long is because it w- no one for the most part, whatever sit in it because it was supposed to be cursed. So it kind of just sat there collecting dust endlessly. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. I just think like at some point it kind of was. Now I understand, like I just said, that airmen would try to challenge each other and like try to sit in the chairs and stuff like that to like scare each other. But they weren't like sitting in on them all night or anything. It was kind of like for a sure. second. And, but most of the time, especially when there weren't any tourists or other people around, they would basically leave it alone. I mean, so if, if I guess the, it will like contribute to its longevity, but who knows? And I guess if it broke and it was a conversation piece that brought people to the pub, a smart it bar was, owner in like the 1700s would just grab another chair and say, "This it was, was the haunted definitely chair. a tourist attraction too." And it was some sort. So it was like not just tourists, so like out of country or anything, but also just around the area. I'd be like, "Oh, it'd be fun to like hang out at the bar to see if anybody would sit in the chair." Just like not just necessarily like you want to sit in mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. but maybe see if anyone does, things like that. So, of course, it brought in business. It'd be the worst game of musical chairs. It was because oh, you God. don't want you don't want to sit down in it. You're like, "I'm just not going to play." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, with these airmen, they were 
for sure starting to take notice of the trend that their friends were not coming back or like you know basically at this point you really don't want to risk anything yeah. if you're going to this war life and death yeah i mean I, if i was i don't know if i was them i just have like i don't know every lucky rabbit's foot i could find or something like if you were already gonna be superstitious <laughs> build armor out of rabbit's feet <laughs> I'm just gonna keep, or like, or like Benny in the Mummy. I just have every single religious symbol and on know a chain. how to say it in yeah. the language too. <laughs> yeah, that'd be me at, at war. I'd be like, uh, let me the, try this one. <laughs> you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> oh my god! That's for all you out there that love that movie as much as me. No, I don't know if anyone can love that movie as much as you. It's the best movie ever made. <laughs> all right, keep going. All right, well. So during this time, like I mentioned before, soldiers would, of course, go into town and then head back to base. Now, base wasn't exactly that close. At least some of them. I don't know if this is like the same one that they were talking about earlier. Okay. But anyway, in one particular story, which I guess was like true or whatever, because there's records of the death, um, there was a guy who was driving his truck into town that he was from the base as well. And he noticed that there were two soldiers that were pretty drunk kind of like trying to make their way home so they're like oh i'll just pick them up and then drive them to base so that's what he does except like as he gets in the guy's like i really have to pee blah 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 one of the soldiers and he's like okay i'll take you to this pub not really knowing anything about it well anyway the truck driver or the yeah the driver he goes into the pub with them and just like waits for them and he sits Mm. in buzzy's chair not knowing it's cursed because that's not he wasn't there to drink or anything he was just driving people back Anyway, he gets tired or just, like, frustrated and leaves and doesn't take the soldier with him that's still in the bathroom. Who knows what he was doing? Maybe he was throwing up. Who knows? So, anyway, like, he drives back to base, and the soldier that was left behind is infuriated. So, obviously, he has to walk all the way back to base, super drunk, probably having fake fights in his head. Which is what he was already doing. Just getting really riled up, and he gets to the base grabs a brick and kills the driver for what leaving the him there. Fuck? Yeah, this guy's a little aggro. But yeah, so the driver so in that the sounds like, curse, but that like, sounds like with the curse, it's like if you sit in my chair, you're gonna get killed in a very violent way. Just yeah, like, a lot of times it is pretty violent, for sure. Yeah. So. With a brick, huh? <laughs> so in a fast forward a little bit to nineteen sixty eight, attorney Earnshaw, who was the at that time now owner of the pub didn't really believe in the curse like he obviously knew about it and everything but he didn't really do any attempts to like hide it or remove it or anything like that he thought it was funny and plus it was still getting people's attention and having them come into the bar but he kind of tried to restrict people or like at least some sort of like obvious warning because he put like a rope across the chair like he tied one to one armchair to the other so that way it's not like technically easy it's like to reserve it's yeah kind of like a reserve but like with rope yeah anyway um so that same year that he started he became ownership of the pub a couple of royal air force pilots were hanging out at the pub and they got pretty drunk they eventually i guess got liquid courage after hearing all the stories and kind of inquiring about what's going on with this chair and they told him about it they're like oh we'll sit in it so they do well one of the pilots claimed as he was sitting in the chair and saying, ooh, I don't know, I'm getting like a tingly sensation. Like I feel 
I don't know. Like he said, he said like he felt weird, and so he got up really quickly and was like, "Um, that was weird." And then the other guy sat down, and he was apparently fine. Which whatever. But like, <laughs> I was like, I wonder how many of those people did feel weird in the chair. Like I don't know, like fear or paranoia or just something. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we wouldn't really know because I don't know how many would have survived long enough to sure. let us know about it. You know, sure. in like hindsight but like oh yeah i almost died and i did feel weird in the chair no they just would die and they couldn't tell us well but what about the guy who did feel all the tingly what happened to him well him and his friend who sat in the chair on their way back to base they ended up for whatever reason veering off the road and crashed into a tree and died so that was quickly after so just right after the pub at least they weren't killing each other they did not get angry with each other i guess the tree had different plans for them though uh, so, oh man, this one really sucks. So look, there was a cleaning lady that obviously, you know, worked there and she was mopping the floors and she always knew that the chair was cursed. So it wasn't a secret to her either. And she, in fact, she was always very, very, very careful to not basically get close to it either. Like she did sure. everything she can, but she was mopping the floor and that would include in and around the chair. Unfortunately, she kind of stumbled and fell on top of the chair. <laughs> oh, I fell and over. <laughs> Hell. Not like sit, sitting down or anything, but like she fell and she caught herself on the chair enough where her weight was on it and everything. And so like she freaked out thinking, oh my God, started feeling really paranoid. Well, not too long after. And I mean, like, I think literally like the next day or a few days after she died. Of what? A brain tumor. And so she had apparently been sick or magic tumor but like yeah she died right after that sucks it and she really... was it, she was actually respectful of it yeah i know i was like it's not like she was trying to taunt it or like oh i'm gonna claim this chair f you busby no it was just like some this, cleaning this lady. curse has no compassion not at all this curse could not give a fuck about anything <laughs> they just busby was just like it's my chair and, oh, I guess there's, like, an abnormally large number as well of cyclists and motorcyclist deaths that, who drink at the bar, drive home or bike home, and die. I mean, I was getting to think that maybe this pub is just located in a really shitty area <laughs> where car accidents are, are, are common. I mean, I guess maybe everywhere. I don't know. Um, but also, like, if you really think about it, they are drinking and then driving or, like, biking. I have biked a little inebriated before. It is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, it was just a little. It was just a little bit. Um, Yeah, that happened, and yeah. Oh, another guy. He actually had a heart attack at the pub right after sitting in the chair. Oh, I wish it was in the chair. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you feel sad that he died and now here. No, no, I'm sad that he died, but I was like, I thought that would make it more, like, impactful. Like, he sits on the chair and he gets a tingling feeling, but it's in his left arm. Well, it was definitely (laughs) a tingling feeling, I'm sure. Um, I don't know. Like, it was weird in general, like, if you really look at it, because the guy was in his early 30s and he Uh, was relatively healthy. So there wasn't any other. I mean, there really wasn't a, a reason for him to have a heart attack, like, of all things. Well, that we know of when we didn't. Do a medical exam on him. Maybe he had heart condition that we maybe didn't know he did. About. Yeah, it's still suspicious. It's still suspicious. I don't know. What if there's someone just drugging and killing people there, and they're like the perfect serial killer alibi? Yeah, it's the chair. I didn't kill people. The chair fucked him up. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Oh, here's another, like, little story. A group of builders that went to the pub during their lunchtime, and they were, like, hanging out, just having a pint before they get, went back to work. Well, one of their youngest uh, workers, they were kind of teasing him about it, and they kind of knew, they knew about the chair, so it wasn't a secret either. And they were like, oh, you should sit in the chair, blah, 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 kind of taunting him or whatever. And I guess him being, like, obviously want to look cool in front of his older superiors ended up sitting in the chair well later after they were done they went back to work on the building and he was kind of like on a high platform because i guess he was like putting bricks on or whatever i don't know what happened but apparently he tripped and fell and hit the concrete he basically splattered on the ground from really high up so he didn't recover from that he he definitely died. <laughs> he did not survive the fall. It was it was pretty high, and his head was cracked open. Yeah, especially at this time. I don't know how good we were at saving people from splats. Not, but, yeah. yeah, we don't have a really care for that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was an unfortunate death. So after that, the owner, the one that we had talked about before, who basically didn't really believe in the chair being cursed, I guess like now basically did. Because he's like, you know what? It's really not worth having it out. <laughs> I'm going to move it to the cellar, like in the basement. So he does. He's like, whatever. I don't care if it's going to like. So does he get me move it money. himself or does he have one of his employees I, do it? As far as I know, he does it himself. So I wouldn't touch it's that like. Shit. <laughs> just don't put your weight on it, maybe. It's like a button. You don't. You can like maybe touch it, but don't like lean on it. I would just pay some guy to steal it. Like twenty bucks, I'll give you twenty bucks. Take that chair and throw it in the river. And throw it in the river. I don't know. Maybe he gets a pass because he's an owner. He's like, well, I guess he's still working at my bar. Busby would say. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, one day there was a delivery guy who comes in and he goes oh, into the God. cellar. <laughs> he sees a chair. He's like, you know what? Yeah, basically, he goes into park it. He's, he goes into the cellar, drops off his supplies, and decides to sit in the chair just to like. Like, just, you know, he's tired. He's been doing deliveries all day. He's going to sit down. So he sits down in the chair. And the only reason why we found out about it later is because the he told the pub owner. He gets up, sees him, he's like, hey, bye. He's like, oh, by the way, that chair down there that you have there is really comfortable. You should put it, out, put it out here. Like, why why is it down there? And it's unclear if the owner said, motherfucker, <laughs> you're, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. or, or was just like, oh, my God, and just, like, let him go. Who knows? But, you know, either way, the delivery guy, an hour later, as he's making his rounds, gets in a car wreck and dies. So the the, the chosen ways for this chair to kill people is either blunt force trauma to the head or car accident, which then again might actually also still be blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. Um, wow. So it seems like... It's got a thing. It has a style, for so, sure. So, so far... It seems like the safest way to survive <laughs> sitting in this chair is A, don't be walking home with anybody or, you know, where they'd want to kill you with a brick. Possibly. And B, don't drive. Yeah, yeah. That could be, that could work. There actually is one. I just skipped it. I don't know how my eyes went from, like, one note to the next, but there was another one. And like you said be alone maybe but actually now that i think about it this hitchhiker this other story this is before it was moved down to the cellar he didn't know about the chair so he goes to the pub sees it i guess ignored the fact that it was maybe had like the rope across it and sat in the chair and people were like oh my gosh this guy sat in the chair he doesn't know anything about it so people get like really 
interested in his stories and like started talking to him and kind of like hey <laughs> you this know might be the last chance yeah. to tell us anything so you know he's done talking to people he's done drinking the t- hitchhiker's like i'm off to hitch a ride maybe i don't know so he goes outside the bar and as he's walking out he says bye to people and he's still kind of like talking walking backwards and he gets hit by a car because he goes into the street without really knowing. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> this is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Oh man, poor dude. So anyway, I I feel like that one was self prophesized because like if they didn't think it was haunted, they wouldn't have been so interested in talking to the stranger, mm. and the stranger wouldn't have been so distracted. I don't know. But anyway. If it's a curse, though, it wouldn't matter which way it happened. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, after the delivery guy died, it looks like the owner of the bar ended up donating the chair. So he, yeah, he ended up donating the chair to who? (laughs) No, is that like a person to a museum, the local museum? I was like, he'd be such an asshole. He's like, I'm gonna put an old folks' home, least damaged possible, or something horrible like that. It's just so morbid. It's like, how so do you, awful. yeah, who do you give this chair to so that it was doesn't a make you feel guilty? Museum, it was. Okay. And the museum agreed to take the chair and they pl- they actually put it on display as well. However, to ensure that no one else would ever sit in it, they mounted it on the wall, like five feet above, so people can't sit on it. Except for Spider Man. Spider Man, spiders, other stuff, ghost people. <laughs> ghost people. Guys with stilt legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, they should have mounted it sideways. That would have made it upside even down. More. Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm. Or just put it in a glass case. I mean, seriously. Well, I think they just wanted it to be like not as accessible, like not easy to get to, or steal. Maybe who knows? But to this day, people still want to sit in it. They'll still ask, "Can I sit in the chair?" And the museum has a policy: no matter what, they will not take the chair off the wall. People have often even, like, offered money, lots of money, to be like, I'll give you this amount of money, let me sit in it, please, let me take a picture, blah, blah, blah. I'd like to meet these people, because I'm pretty sure I could find some way for them to give me money for something stupid. Yeah, well, you just have to say it's cursed, and then maybe. (laughs) It's like, I've got a phone that's cursed. (laughs) I want to use it. It's Motorola. If you call more than twice on it, you die. (laughs) And if you don't... Because the phone fills through the roof. Pay extra minutes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, like I said, the museum's totally like, no. The manager of the museum, Cooper Harding, he even mentions a story where a Japanese film crew went to the museum specifically to see the chair, And they asked, could we sit in it? But of course, like I mentioned, they denied it and said, no, you cannot sit in the chair. We're not, we never take it down. I've got to mention where this is going. Well, the crew complained to the head of legal services at County Hall. So when I read that, I was like, that is a really fucking fancy way of saying, let me speak to your manager. Because that's exactly what happened. Like they just complained and said, this is illegal. You can't like prevent me from sitting in this cursed chair, I guess. Except it's it's an exhibit. That'd be I like saying, know. can I wear King Tut's death mask? Excuse me, can I can I wear King Tut's like it's necklace? It's there. This is against the rules. I should be able to wear it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh my God, Bunch calm down. So anyway... He even, and this is what the manager said. He's like, he was approached and said, well, what if I disobey and I sit in it anyway? And the response was, you'll die. And I guess like 
despite the fact that he's like kind of pushing it on it and saying i'm gonna do it anyway blah 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 they didn't so no one has since sat oh in the chair. see i was thinking those whiners were gonna like find some way like bring in a ladder and get on it when no one was around you know if they did we don't know but i doubt it because you know usually there's people there sure the sure, sure so yeah um no one has sat in the chair since and it it is estimated about 70 lives were claimed by the chair that's messed up very much so so where what museum is this on display at so it's in thirsk Oh, so, so it's, it's, our, in, it's in the same area. It's, it's in the it, same area. It's the it's same not, town. It wasn't like moved to the middle of London or something. No, it's like a local place. Yeah. I totally want to see this chair. I want to see this chair. I don't want to get near it. I'm okay well, seeing it Well, I'm not going to touch it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so like you said, you asked earlier, you're like, is it still open? I wish it was. It is not still open. It is now actually an Indian restaurant. So, but we can still go there. <laughs> so the pub is now an Indian restaurant. An Indian restaurant, yeah. Um... At the time when it was open, though, the landlady, Karen Rowley, was interviewed, and she actually believes that the building itself is haunted. It wasn't just the chair. Not just the chair. She actually tells a story where there was an incident, and I quote, I saw a figure on the landing upstairs. It was a very tall, human-like figure with no arms and no clear face. It moved sideways and then disappeared through the wall. Others have claimed to see the shadowy figure as well. Oh, end quote, by the way. Others have claimed to see the shadowy figure on the second floor. So this was not the first encounter. And so a lot of people believe that it was Busby. So did they like demolish the building and build an Indian restaurant? Or is the Indian restaurant in the old building? It's like the old building. That's what it looks like so to me. So the Indian restaurant might be haunted. Yeah. Busby's like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> if there's no alcohol, I'm out, y'all. He's not used to the food either. Maybe not, yeah. So all I'm saying is if there is a ghost in there, then is the chair cursed or is Busby cursing them as he's like hanging out? It could be the chair insinuate. I don't know. I mean. See, it's because they gave him that final wish. See, here's the thing. You give him an inch, they take a mile. (laughs) You give him that final wish and now he's like, I'm just going to haunt this place for the rest of time. Forever. that's, That's what they gave him. That's exactly what happened. They should just, yeah, off with his head. Uh, there were some explanations, I guess, like theories as to like what's really happening. Is the chair really cursed? Um, people say, well, they're all drunk, so you're more likely to die. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Even okay. Even the delivery boy? I know. That's what I said. I'm like, not really. And not everyone who goes to a pub gets wasted either. I mean, that's just us, but not everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, kidding. Just because I get drunk at the pub just doesn't mean I, everyone else I does. I drink a lot doesn't mean other people do. I know that for a fact. Other people say, well... People who tend to sit in the chair would have a risk more takers. risk takers. They have like risk behavior. Mm-hmm. So in general, they're more likely to die. I'm like, that is a really generalized thing to say. And I'd say the maid was not a risk taker. Uh, but I mean, or, like I like the cleaning lady. Yeah, I would say these stories sound like, I don't know if it's statistically significant, but it sounds like a lot more people are dying Exactly. Around this pub than in most pubs. <laughs> yeah, I, as far as I know, I that's could exactly. be wrong about that. But I mean, especially since all these people died after knowingly sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. makes it suspect. Mm-hmm. So people say it's psychological, which again, I, that one I'm okay with. Because I'm not okay with it because some people were murdered and they weren't. Yeah, it's not like they thought. But people psych get psyched out. I get it. I guess if you're more careful or more like in tune, maybe you're just like really nervous. And it gets in your head. I guess I can see how you can make mistakes, especially like the roofer guy or like, you know, whoever. 
but, was like it was there's an episode of Cheers where Ted Danson's character he lets someone borrow his good luck charm, which is a bottle cap, mm. and the bottle cap has sentimental value to him because um, it was from the last bottle of beer he ever drank because he's a he was a recovering alcoholic. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And he had this overwhelming fear that, that he didn't have it, that it was going to ruin his life and bad things were going to happen. And all of a sudden, he started having what he seemed like bad luck. So he lost it, or he, you said well, he, he, he let someone borrow it because he let someone because uh, he used to be a pitcher for oh. the Sox, the Red Sox. Oh, okay. And then there was a, a current player who came in asking for some like advice, and he said, "Well, I'll let you borrow this mm. so that you know you can get better at your game." Well, anyway, while the, the player's off with his bottle cap, to dance, his character starts freaking out, like I'm missing my okay. good luck charm. Bad things start happening to him, but everyone else is like, "You're just psyching yourself out." Like, yeah. It's you. And, they, and most of these were just like these are things that would happen to anyone any day, and they wouldn't say I'm having a bad day or bad luck. It's just because he was thinking about it that way. He was totally psyching himself out, and he was worried he was going to relapse in his dream. But then he got over it at the end because. Mm. The player who borrowed his cap lost the cap. <gasps> I would have so, killed him. So he had to get over it. Oh, by the way, the guy who plays the player mm-hmm. who borrows it is um, Shooter McGavin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would absolutely have killed him. It's totally Shooter McGavin. Uh, um, but he eats anyway. shit for breakfast, I hear. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And loses <laughs> bottle caps in the afternoon. Um so he has to like get over it and realize, no, this was me and I was psyching myself out. Yeah. And I know this is a totally fictional story, but I thought it was an incredibly well done portrayal because I, I'm someone who used to have a lot of superstitions, but I've been slowly getting rid of almost all of them. I still have a couple, but yeah. I've had to burn through them to realize that these are just self-inflicted habitual issues. To but get they can over. affect you so poorly that you think... Wow, you know, my attitude or just like my behavior can totally change my the outcome of a day. Oh, or yeah, something. the effect, so, the effect yeah. is significant, which means I totally buy that as an ex- explanation for a lot. Not saying all, yeah, a lot of the bad sure. things that happen, including, you know, people who the bad things like the driving home, maybe they were scared or something. But like, and it could be a combination. Yes, these people are drunk. Yes, these people are risk takers. <laughs> yes, these people want to be psyching themselves out. And you start adding all that stuff together. It just and like it piles might on. just happen. I mean, there was that movie that is totally not obviously cursed because it's just like a gimmick. But yeah. we watched, uh, shoot, what was it called? Uh, Antrim. Oh, yeah. The movie where... <laughs> it was a terrible movie, by the way. But... It had, um, it had some moments. It but yeah. said, so the whole thing, and they really, really marketed it this way, said it was cursed. Like They it's said a it was a movie from the 70s. That is cursed, and it that, was a movie about the movie. Yeah, and then when they showed the movie at its screening, the theater burned down and people died, and the idea was that the movie was cursed, and if people watch it, they died. They died, yeah. Kind of like The Ring, except you like die then instead of like <laughs> seven days yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, And also, but the thing is... With that movie, it was kind of marketed very similar to the way the Blair Witch. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They like they really said things like, "This is found footage. This is real." And they tried uh, to portray it like it was really real, yeah. and it it affected me because even though everything I read, I knew that no, that was a marketing. It's a gimmick, marketing thing, yeah. There was still this part of me, this nagging part where I was the like, cur- "The Blair Witch or the Antrim?" Antrim. Oh, okay. There's a still nagging part where I was like, watching this movie, you could die. Obviously, it's fake, <laughs> but that didn't 
didn't mean it. It no, didn't it, have an effect on me. Like, well, it was pretty yeah, smart marketing. It was smart marketing. And I think it probably, at the very least, gave you this uneasiness as you watched it, thinking, am I watching this shitty movie and now I'm going to die? Yeah, I'd like to point out that the most impactful part of the movie was its marketing. <laughs> the, the, the most affected I was by that movie was before I even saw it. I would have absolutely been pissed if the last movie I saw was that. I'm like, wow, really? That well, was one, it a slap mean, in the face. It would have meant it was real. That it was it would have meant it was real. I mean, obviously it wasn't one because if you just go on IMDb, the movie that was supposed to be filmed in the seventies that's cursed, you see the actors in the seventies movie <laughs> today. Yeah, like no, they're not. No, I know. You know, they weren't from the seventies. It, it was modern. It was made I know. today. Yeah. It's just I wish they, I wish they just had a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, but anyway, those are some explanations. Um, this is interesting, and I think I kind of feel like this explains perhaps one of the first stories. Remember I told you it like jumps to the 1800s, like yeah. late 1800s? Well, there was a renowned furniture historian by the name of Dr. Adam Bowett. He examined the chair and concluded that the style of the chair was called K-Store, K-Store chair, and it would have been made around the 1800s, mid-1800s, and as early as the early 1900s. So the style of the chair wouldn't match I see. That's what I said earlier. I said, can you just imagine that, like, if the chair got broken or lost or anything, if you wanted to keep the tourism up, you just put another chair out and yeah. say, this is the cursed chair. And it very much could have been. And it could have been different chairs the entire time. I think, and I was having trouble believing that a chair still safe to sit in, safe being the relative term, I mean being stable. Stable um, enough to carry weight, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after 200 years is weird. I agree. Because, it, I mean, yes, you can make, I mean, my parents have handed down furniture that's made incredibly well, but we're talking about a pub chair from the mm-hmm. 1600s. This isn't high quality furniture. Yeah, like, that is also a really strange fact, and I don't think this you know furniture guy is gonna lie about it i don't think he gives a fuck like whether or not the curse is real he's just like look this is my jam and i can tell you right now this chair is not that old i mean it's old but not like 1600s old anyway uh there was another thing that tends to kind of circulate as a rumor okay that the pub owner didn't actually donate the real busby chair or the one that had been kept in the is pub. the guy is the furniture specialist did he examine it at the i think he might have yeah oh, okay and the and the rumor is is that he actually burned the real chair like Good he man. was done with it he's like Good man. and he get, and i think he felt really bad especially with the delivery because after that incident is when he donated quote unquote donated the chair and so there's also again a very good chance that it's not even the real chair like he was like no you know what this is awful like this guy didn't deserve i mean no one deserved it really but of course not. um i guess now that he's like physically witnessing all these things that are just too coincidental he ended up burning it and then donating probably some chair that was old and that was in the pub but you know here we go see to me i think the creepiest part of this story <laughs> is i'm just imagining the owner being in like the storage cellar mm-hmm. it's dark and badly lit and he's just like saying there's all this crap everywhere and he just sees the chair right after the delivery boys died and he sees it and he believes it now yeah he sees just a chair there and he's like this chair is killing people like Mm -hmm. the chair is alive it has a personality and he's just standing there alone and the chair's right there and i could imagine where i in his position 
that would scare the living shit out of me. Yeah. And I'm not even saying I believe this chair is killing people, but in that moment, if I was there and the innocent, undrunk delivery boy who mm-hmm. knew nothing about the history of the chair, so he could have been psyched out, he couldn't have drunk anything, just died, I would have been fucking mortified. That would have been a scary moment. That scene, I'm like, insert conjuring score. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Most ominous sound ever. Yeah, that that was a very intense like moment I would feel for that person too because even you know let's just pretend he did give away the real chair or like the chair that was presumably always in the pub he always handled it um so he was the one who put it down in the cellar he's the one who if he burned it he would have burned it himself so in a way he's kind of a badass you know he's like at the very least when he started believing it was true or thinking i don't know if it's psyching people out and making and causing them to die i'm done with it and so good for him you know it only took like hundreds of years but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i think this could be a really good movie i think it would be a pretty cool movie yeah like i think it should take place like the movie should end with him donating it being donated to the museum and like maybe the movie op- and you mean like at the end it wasn't really the chair no <sighs> That could be a cool twist. But I just mean more like maybe before the credits hit, you show the guy cursing the chair and everything. Oh, yeah. But then most of it takes place now uh, or now being relative like with the current borrower who doesn't believe in it. And then all these people start dying. And oh, you I have, see what you're you saying. You have to take liberties of the story because you're writing a movie that's supposed to be entertaining. Yeah. But, man, now I want to write this movie. This would be fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, that is the end of my story. We can write a movie later if you like. So that's that's a really good one. I want it to be a movie. I want it's probably already been turned into a movie. Probably a bad one since we haven't heard about it. Yeah. Um, if we haven't heard of <laughs> you horror know, film, I don't know. Because how many horror films we watch and research, if we haven't heard of it, it either means it's super small time and we just haven't. It hasn't. The word of mouth hasn't or reached it's us, like but foreign, it will eventually. Yeah. Well, foreign ones because yeah. you know. But we'll eventually get to those. It just means we haven't heard of them yet, but we will. Or it's even available. Or it means it's just so awful that people who see it <laughs> refuse to even talk about They're it. They're like, bury it. Like, we saw a movie years ago when I was in college. We rented it on DVD. So, like, we rented it at a local store. Oh, my God. I already know what it was. It was called Tiki. It was the worst thing we, ever. We rented it because we, we had a Tiki bar, and, we, and I, we love all this tea stuff. And it was one of the worst films I've ever seen. It even had... A lesbian makeout scene, and me and my college roommates are looking at each other, going, "This is the worst lesbian <laughs> scene ever." We were bored and wanted to stop the movie. It was so bad. I can't find information about. Was this it supposed movie to be online. sexy or like? I think it was supposed to be sexy, but it was really not, not at all sexy. Man, that must have been bad. I think it, I, I imagine I would say if you can't like ac- accomplish a sex scene, I mean, all you really need is a few boobs, I think, and like. I mean, Some sweat. I, I think I would relate it to like turtles having sex in terms of just sexual <laughs> Have you ever appeal. heard turtles having sex? I, at the San Diego Zoo, <laughs> me and my friend John, when we toured it, <laughs> they had the giant land tortoises. Yeah. We walked by and we heard a horrible noise and when we looked in there, we saw them <laughs> doing it and we just kept on going because that was awful. You're like, I never want to remember this. Yeah. But seriously. Here we go. It was pretty terrible. Here we are. All right, good story. I feel like I had heard something about a chair you that might killed have. people, yeah. but I knew so little about it. Pretty much everything it's fairly you told popular. me was good. And, you know, since I I have seen, obviously, Unsolved Mysteries since I was a kid, but I didn't remember it when I was a kid. I remember it when I rewatched sure. it again. 
as an adult not too long ago and I saw it again and I was like ooh I'm gonna turn it off I'm gonna like do this story next so Chase can't watch it and so yeah that's what happened well I think um I think I need to see a picture of this chair it's pretty average looking. No, I mean, it would have to be. I mean, it's kind of like when everyone saw The Conjuring and you had Annabelle and it looked so oh, yeah, creepy to everything. And then you see the real Annabelle doll, you're like, what? You're like, I think I actually had that doll. Interesting. So this is like the Annabelle chair? It's the Annabelle chair. Annabelle? Yes. Let's okay. just, it's Annabelle. So we got to see it. Maybe maybe we can find a way to incorporate it into an image on our Instagram for peeps. Hey, hey, hey. People are like, why are they putting a fucking chair? <laughs> what is this? Antiques Roadshow? Stupidest chair. Enough. <laughs> Uh, all right well we all need to keep drinking to keep this rolling so woo! it's time to get another round we'll be right back yeah let's go to the busby pub standing room only though standing room only oh my god we'll be by the bar <laughs> yeah we'll be standing at, <laughs> at the, the bar, bar. Welcome back, guys. We've had our drinks, and I'm ready for Chase's story now. I'm always excited about this part. So I'm breaking with my regular this time. So I apologize if you were really excited for something extraterrestrial. Not today. Today we're going back to round two of Tropical Terror. (laughs) Yay! All right, so last time I did Tropical Terrors, I explained that I'm, you know... I've always wanted to go to island paradises, so I'm kind of fascinated by the kinds of scary stories they have because they're supposed to be paradises, but the idea that they could still be haunted or have horror stories is just absolutely amazing. Last time, we told a story that was deep in the South Pacific, but today, we're going Mm -hmm. a little closer to home. This tale comes from the Caribbean, specifically the island of Jamaica. Yay! Cool. Today, I'm here to tell you about a haunted bobsled team. I'm just kidding. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <gasps> we, I just watched Cool Runnings a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Fresh Rain. I love that movie. I, oh, okay. I love that movie. So good. I was just a joke. Anyway. <laughs> is it in Jamaica, though? It is in Jamaica. Okay. <laughs> it is in Jamaica. The haunting I'm going to talk about is apparently very well known on the island. Oh, okay. I'm going to talk to you about the White Witch of Rose Hall. <gasps> Woo! Do you know anything about this one? Hell no. All right. Maybe. I don't know. So Rose Hall is in Montego Bay, which is a big city on the northwesternish coast of the island. Now, this city is on my bucket list. I do want to visit. Maybe we'll be able to check out Rose Hall while we're there because it's still there. Okay, cool. So anyway, back in the 1700s and 1800s, Montego Bay had a large number of sugarcane plantations. It was a big source of the income for the area, and for a time made Jamaica the richest colony in the West Indies. Mm. And as you can assume from the time frame and region, a lot of slavery was utilized there too. Uh, Of course. A lot. Yeah. More on that later. Okay. (laughs) Some of these historic plantations can still be seen either as ruins or renovated buildings. Several of them are known as the Plantation Great Houses of Jamaica. They carry a unique form of British architecture with modifications mm-hmm. to accommodate the tropical climate. So they're kind of like a very unique architecture that has kind of Georgian qualities, but also unique to the area. Okay. Rose Hall is not just one of the Plantation Great Houses. It is the most famous and considered by many to be the most impressive. Just to give you some context of what the mansion is like, 
It is obviously massive. It's a multi-story mansion built on a hilltop overlooking the coast. The house is as fancy as it is large, with two elaborate stone staircases in the front, leading to a grand arched entrance. The inside has all the things you would expect rich, upper-class people to have back in the day, such as multi-wing structures, drawing rooms, servant apartments, silk wallpapers, chandeliers, etc. But let's just get some history on the house so we can get context for the legend. The land that would eventually contain the mansion was an impressive 290 acres, most of which was filled with sugarcane. Mm-hmm. It was purchased in 1742, pre-USA, <laughs> by Henry Fanning. It allegedly only cost him 300 pounds. 3,000 pounds. 3,000 pounds. Wow. Now, quick divergence. Usually when I'm doing currency conversions, I'm mostly just dealing with U.S. dollars. And yeah. all the websites pretty much stop at 1913 because uh, I think that's when the Federal Reserve was founded. So they don't really go back much further than that. Okay. So when I had to calculate this currency, obviously it was in British pounds. And it was a lot further ago. So mm-hmm. I found that the Bank of England website does currency conversions that go back wow. a lot further. Cool. And it actually, the Bank of England website, their calculations for inflation go back to the year 1209. Holy shit. That blew my mind. I mean, to think that our accounting skills were good enough back in 1209 to make inflation predictions and calculations for 800 years is just holy crap. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's just a whole other blurb, but I just needed to mention that. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so I found out that 3,000 pounds in 1742 is roughly the equivalent of 674,000 pounds today, mm. or 944,000 US dollars. So it wasn't cheap. That was a good chunk of change, almost a million dollars. Yeah. So a few years after buying this plantation, Henry Fanning married a woman named Rosa Kelly. Mm-hmm. Now, you should remember that name because it's very important. Rosa Kelly. Rosa Got Kelly. It. She's she's going to be a featured player. I'm uh, suspecting she's white and she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Okay. As one might predict, since we are talking about horror stories here, Henry didn't last long after the marriage. Rosa... Did, in- he, did he sit on a chair? <laughs> there or- were, I'm sure he sat on chairs, <laughs> but I... I uh. <laughs> but not my chair. Rosa inherited everything. And not long after he passed away... She married again. She mm. married a man named George Ash, who was another plantation owner in the area. During their marriage, she instituted a lavish expansion to the property, mm. with fancy wood and stone structures being built. This expansion cost 30,000 pounds, well, 10 times what the land cost nice. just a few years before. Did she, like, use marble and... Gold. I well, don't know. they were saying things like mahogany and uh, Ooh, mahogany. and and stone starches. I mean, this is still a long time ago. I mean, like any kind of resources that would have been pretty rare. Or something. You have to get yeah. them on the island. Uh, so only a few years after they were married, George Ash also died. Damn, was he rich? Yeah, he owned one of the other plantations. When, ah. I mean, he was able to afford a thirty thousand. So pound she has doubled her plantation. Oh, she's. <laughs> territory she's basically the kingpin got it now finding information on both those first two deaths was Mm -hmm. difficult for me and i found nothing to suggest that people said that they were suspicious or not 
apparently during this time, particularly in Jamaica, a lot of diseases and a lot mm. of everything. So, I mean, if anything, it would be a good time to murder people because you could get away with it. I'm not sure. saying she murdered them. But we've got two husbands who died not too long after they were married. Right. So was, uh, did they have any kids? No. No, no kids. kids? Okay. This is going to be a recurring theme as well. Oh, well. <laughs> Rosa was allegedly in mourning, but still really young. Because her first oh. marriage should have been when she was only 17. Oh, okay. It's only been a few years. She's not that old. Not willing to stop her good luck streak, Rosa decided to marry a third guy. Who was also a plantation owner, I see. Named Norwood Witter. And this was less than a year after her second mm. husband had died. Now, this guy was apparently a bastard. And he spent a shit ton of her fortune. <gasps> he was lucky, too, compared to the other guys. He lasted almost 12 years. <laughs> and then he died. And then he died. How old is he? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, some of this stuff, I'm kind of limited to what information they give me. Yeah. Um, he allegedly left almost everything he owned to his wife, Rosa, in mm. his will, noting specifically that it was because he had borrowed so much from her estate. Mm. He left very little to his two sons from a previous marriage. Oh. Rosa was childless, and she allegedly wanted nothing to do with the estate or the money left to her at this point. Hmm. She left the estate to her ex-husband's son, and then the son died very shortly after. Okay. And then over the course of the next year or so, things just kept getting worse. Rose's dad then died. And then one of her oldest and best friends named John Boyd also Hmm. died. This left her not only with the entire estate again and all the money, (laughs) but also had to take in her good friend's child, also named Rosa. Huh. So I want to talk about this for a second. Okay. Her close friend had a daughter named Rosa. That named her probably after her and it, it, good they, friend. They said that she was apparently the godmother too, but there's something a little weird there. It's feeling a little bit weird. Anyway. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Through this whole series of unfortunate events, Rosa met a John Palmer. Mm. Now with a only Palmer, a, you say? A Palmer, I say. <laughs> Now, with only around two years since Rosa's third husband died, she decided it was time for number four. In 1767, she married John Palmer, becoming Rosa Palmer. He was a widower who also owned a plantation right next to hers. Expansion. Convenient. Now, according to accounts from the time, she actually really liked this John guy and truly loved him. See it how you want. But no one would die for 23 years. Ah. So had her luck changed? Had she killed her previous husbands, but not this one because he was actually a good guy? Yeah. All of that is speculation. She may have just been an incredibly unlucky person. Maybe she was unlucky and suffered truly greatly and she finally got the good stuff at the end. I don't know. Perhaps it's more sinister. But either way, this time, it would be Rosa who would die, not Mm. the husband. And Rosa died childless there is allegedly well, did she like take in the other child so i mean but I she guess still didn't have her own child not she her own. had to take care of she like basically had a child yeah. I um i think she was pretty old at that point too so i mean i don't After, think she, i don't well, think she no. was i don't think she took her in as a baby once again i didn't get information but oh, okay. the rosa i think the kid was like 14 15 so it's not like well yeah i guess so sure Allegedly, there is a monument to her at the St. James Parish Church in Montego Bay. Hmm. I tried to Google map that. 
Uh, couldn't get good pictures. There wasn't a lot of street views near there. I don't know how true this is, but it is apparently a very lovely statue of her. Cool. John Palmer died seven years afterwards, leaving the estate to his two sons from a previous marriage. Again, like, mm-hmm. like both of them lived in England and both of them died shortly after inheriting the property. <gasps> oh my God. It's like a cursed property. Oh my God. What is up with our curses today? Okay, go. Oh my god, that's awesome! That was and so they died before they could even come to realize the estate from England. They were also both childless. This means that the estate went to John Palmer's grand nephew, also in England. Oh my gosh, did he die? And also named John Palmer. Uh, oh okay, well that's Full not name, that weird. His name was John Rose Palmer. So he showed up in 1818 to claim this estate that his grand uncle left him because everyone else was dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After arriving just two years later, he marries a young woman named Anne Mary Patterson. Can you guess what happened to him? <laughs> he, he died. He lived a long life. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not even close. He died. He died. Shortly after. Wow. But not before a lot of crazy stuff allegedly started happening. Now, that's the, all the background that, okay. I, that I can give. Yeah. According to the research of Frederick J. I'm going to mispronounce the last name. Duquesne. It's, it's spelled really weird. Mm. Their marriage has become the subject of legend and folklore with, quote, tales of murder and violent passion of witchcraft, cruelty, wow. stranglings, death, and unknown graves, end quote. So at this point, what can be considered fact and fiction gets real fuzzy. Take note that everything before that I mentioned seems to come from specific merit or documentation about it. What follows does not. Okay. According to the legend, Anne Mary Patterson's parents died of yellow fever when she was still very young and living in Haiti. Then her nanny adopted her and trained her in voodoo and evil witchcraft. Nice. She then moved to Jamaica where she met this John Palmer. At only 17 years of age, she married him and moved into his mansion. The marriage was plagued with anger, sexual debauchery, cruelty. One account was that Annie took out her rage on slaves using her most nefarious voodoo. (laughs) After only three years of marriage, she poisoned him as punishment for his excessive drinking. Mm. Her diabolical dealings continued as she stabbed her second husband to death because he had gone mad. A third husband also got iced after she discovered (laughs) he married her for her money. Yeah, that's right. Strangulation was modus operandi for the final murder. Her reign of terror was brought to an abrupt halt when one of her slaves, Taku, who she had forced into being her unwilling lover, strangled her in the night. Oh, wow. The rest of the slaves then burned her clothes and belongings. Her body was buried in an unmarked tomb on the Rose Hall property. A voodoo ritual intended to keep her trapped forever failed. So she emerged and walks the grounds of Rose Hall to this day. Mm. She is most often seen riding a horse, who I can only (laughs) assume, who I can only assume is also a ghost. Because a ghost ghost riding a living horse is a little weird. (laughs) Could happen. However, she's seen all throughout the grounds as a pale, white, and ethereal visage. Mm. She's become an iconic and well-known horror story on the entire island. By the 1970s, the mansion had fallen into considerable disrepair, 
But in 1977, it was purchased by a Miss USA winner, Michelle Rollins, and her husband. Weird. And the property was converted into a museum that focuses on the history of slavery within Rose Hall. Oh, that's cool. They also do haunted tours at night. Oh my god, we have to go to the Jamaica tours now. show alleged murder sites, blood stains, and even the tomb <laughs> that is supposed to house the remains of Annie Palmer. Okay, I won't sit on the grave. People who visit the site today often claim to see the ghost at night, often on the balcony. Ooh. I'm sure the restaurant that now inhabits part of the mansion embraces the story as it brings in tourists, similar to a haunted chair I've recently heard about. <laughs> it's very eerily similar. Now, we can talk about this legend for a second. Yeah. Because there is a lot to discuss, and this is something that has actually been approached by skeptics and believers. Ghost Hunters International visited the site. Yay! But also, a lot of well-known skeptics have analyzed and gone to the history of this. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more interesting than you might assume. Hmm. The legend that everyone knows today was actually popularized in a novel titled The White Witch of Rose Hall, written by H.D. DeLisser and released in 1929. Like Robin Hood, separating what the book contributed to the legend and what it was just regurgitating that had already existed became difficult. What is factual becomes buried in legend. Investigations into the legend show a considerable number of contradictions and issues with the timeline. Some of the most thorough investigators have claimed that this is nothing more than people believing in a, fi <laughs> a fictional representation from a novel. And you can guess... The legend is under considerable debate from skeptics. Archivist Jeffrey S. Yates suggested that the lack of solid information about her origins may be in that she was raised by guardians as her father had died before she was born. Mm. And those very guardians died one by one while she was still young, leaving her alone and unmarried. This would have left her right for gossip and rumors okay. to what had happened sure. to her. His work also suggests that the real Annie Palmer was left with no notable wealth after John Palmer died because he was severely in debt, which they do have records of indicating he was at least 6,000 pounds in debt. Yeah, but the, wouldn't the property itself been like uh, almost... I, I don't know the sp specificities of the debt because maybe part of the house was being used as leverage or collateral. Well, I guess so, yeah. So it is suggested that she had to leave the property and eventually fell into obscurity. Exactly what happened to her is not obvious, but there is no record to suggest that she remarried or had any children. She allegedly died in 1846 and is buried in a grave with no surviving tombstone. Even though she did die relatively young, mm -hmm. 1846 is still 12 years after the abolishment of slavery in the British colonies. So being murdered by slaves is unlikely. Oh, it also right. means... But does that mean she couldn't have, like, yes, raped, essentially? Well, but you know, this someone. is also suggesting that this research about Annie Palmer is the same. No, it, but I guess, it, I mean, you're right. But, like, at the same time, I know, like, slavery was abolished at a time. But it doesn't mean, like, everyone was like, haha, just kidding. We're going to, like, totally treat you equal now. No, I mean, there were no, there was still a lot of, of, of like, course, so muddleness there, you know. The time I'm talking about is when the laws were enacted. Slavery had slowly been going, uh, becoming illegal in England for quite some time up to this point. It wasn't an immediate This thing. is like an island, so it's a little... I mean, granted, I don't really know the history in depth, so that's really unfair of me to say. Maybe it was a lot better. And, mm. and like I said, like you, you were mentioning, maybe like the historical inaccuracy is significant enough because based on like what it was like, I don't know. But I mean, one of the issues here is that since 
Annie fell into obscurity after her husband John Palmer died and her falling into obscurity means information they're finding may not actually be about her maybe it is about her but at this point as a skeptic you would assume voodoo and witchcraft are (laughs) the fake and that this is more likely to be true of course sure okay so there is no reason that tales of slaves killing their master could have become common lore for both the slave and upper classes to represent opposite ends of the emotional or political spectrum at the Mm. time. So former slaves might find stories about rising up and killing former masters empowering, whereas people who used to own slaves might find this as a point of fear or terror for people who used to be slaves rising up and changing their class or trying to kill them or anything like this. So there's good reason why these lores might exist and they might be a combination of a lot of different stories. Famed skeptic Benjamin Radford, who, by the way, I'm just going to say, is a <laughs> UNM alum. Ha ha ha. Really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thinks the entire story is complete and totally fictional. His research published in 2007 suggests that none of it is true and that most of it can be attributed to Delisser's 1929 novel. Much of the story is a repurposing of the actual life of Rosa Palmer, who we talked about earlier, because she had multiple husbands who continued to die. Yeah. But she didn't have any tales of killing them. And he Hmm. thinks that if you take those stories of the Rosa Palmer, the lack of information about what happened to Annie Palmer, and you mix it with the fiction of the novel, you have this ghost story that completely didn't happen. He also loves, he's been to the, he's actually been to the location because a lot of people like to show photos where they see orbs, lights, weird apparitions in their photos. Orbs. Yeah. So he went to Rose Hall, took photos and was able to accurately recreate all the things people were seeing in their photos. He was? Yeah. And proving (laughs) that they were either camera artifacts or flash reflections. Hmm. He had a pretty good reaction in 2011 to Ghost Hunters International episode that took place on Montego Bay, where they allegedly got evidence of a haunting. Oh my gosh, what was it? Well, I I haven't seen it, I didn't know, but apparently they they felt the presence or communicated with Annie, and this guy's like, I just wrote an entire paper about how this didn't actually happen and you're still experiencing this. So, I mean... It was it was pretty funny. I know what he's saying, but just because you wrote a paper, and this isn't like again, I feel like on both sides of the spectrum, it's very difficult to like disprove something as well, especially sure. something that would be like if, like you mentioned, they communicated. How do you disprove an EVP? You can't. But if the EVP is something that you can listen to, then what's going on here? Like, let me just put it this way: his paper was about like reflections and like maybe other anomalies that he was able to disprove. Grant, I haven't well, read this paper, but like, I don't know, just like one guy going out there and saying, I have disproved everything well, and like no, all his, superstition. His paper was mostly about the research going in saying that there's no legitimate historical evidence for any of these alleged occurrences, that yeah. almost all of it was in a published as fiction novel in 1929, that all these things where they're talking about this woman who died at this point, there's no told, historical but, record of it. Okay, granted... There's like a lot of non-historical records of a lot of things we talk about. I agree. But I agree. Auditor- like oral 
stories and especially like you mentioned in the island it's like a big story absolutely that is well known and maybe passed down what is it to say that kind of like how we were talking about earlier like we would make the busby stoop chair into a movie but there would have to be some liberties because it's a movie and we have to make it entertaining well maybe this person took liberties of a story that existed Granted, there weren't a lot of records, well, and but... And that's exactly what he did say. And I mentioned yeah. that, that he thinks this was a combination of multiple things that happened put together with fictional, uh, fictionalized storytelling, which also would have been a representation of the changing social status of people who are no longer slaves in Jamaica and everything all comes together to kind of no, create a I big story. I understand, but like, I guess I was just kind of a little irked about him being like, I already disproved that. Like... When after the Ghost Hunters International, like you said, I was like, well, you really didn't disprove shit, first of all. Like, if people are doing paranormal investigations, you either believe it or you don't, and that's fine. But him saying that, like, I wrote a paper that was important enough to debunk this research as well, I'm like, okay, calm down, you. Calm down. But he was able to prove within his means that there was no historical evidence to this stuff. Sure. So, take that as you will. (laughs) I will. So outside of the skeptics, there are believers who still resist all these criticisms. Many who acknowledge that the stories are indeed probably false still claim that the mansion is haunted. Mm-hmm. I read an account, a direct account, I, it was a blog, from a medium, a, a self-proclaimed medium, oh, okay. who visited the house. Before her visit, she detailed the legend and the criticisms of it. She was fully aware of how unlikely it was that any of the tales of Annie Palmer were actually true. However, on her visit to Rose Hall, she claims to have seen an apparition, a woman in white. However, Mm. she suggests that it is likely Rosa Palmer, not Annie Palmer, that resides there. Her life was plenty haunted and tormented, and perhaps it is her troubled soul that remains on the property. Annie left, but Rosa died there and had to go through the death of many husbands there as well. Could the modern story just be a fantastical reimagining of the real life of Rosa? Were the actual ghost encounters people had on the property fuel that allowed people to embrace the stories that were presented in the novel? Well, that's what that was like my take on it, too, though. I didn't think it was necessarily Annie, but like Rosa, since she was the one who literally and there was records of her having so many husbands and stuff. That's just how I interpret it. I just assumed that things were getting crossed. It didn't seem very supernatural, like, you know, uh, out of this realm to seem that this wouldn't exist. You know what I mean? Like if you believe in ghosts, of course, you always have to be like approaching this angle. And if like, you know, you're going to assume that this is real, like ghosts are real. That I would have thought it was Rose, not Annie. But I think to assume a girl was raised on voodoo and went on to kill three husbands, <laughs> of which there is no recorded history. We have the amount that houses cost in the record, but none of these murders. That stuff's easy to say was probably just from this book, this novel, and is, is fictional. However, I do think people actually we're dealing with hauntings at this place. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me that uh, a lot of people, that some of this, the folklore continued in the book kind of consolidated a lot of different stories into one and that there's blending ideas of, you have one woman who lost all these husbands and then another woman who just disappeared, that it all came together. And that I like this notion. I don't know if I believe it, but I'm just saying, I do like this notion that it is haunted. People just... Have the haunting wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know when 
or what ghosts you're really encountering. I guess you can like give it a shot and mm. ask questions, but are they being truthful? Are they really saying the words you're interpreting correctly? Who knows? I don't know if it's true, but I really want to go there. The white uh, Rose Hall is a well, tourist what? attraction. Yeah, it just sounds like a fun place to it's be. It's got you know a restaurant, a gift shop. Uh, there, it's a it's a whole museum devoted to uh, the history of slavery, at least in Rose Hall. But I'm pretty sure they probably cover the whole history of slavery throughout Jamaica. And um, I mean, what could be more touristy than there's now a golf course there too? <laughs> I don't play golf, but it sounds touristy. But hey, if someone wants to, there's one there. So. Totally there, and there might be a chick on a white horse running through. So just try not to hit her with your just golf ball. Just be careful, it's me. <laughs> just kidding. So that's our little trip down to Jamaica of tropical terror. Yay! That was a really good one. You had a lot of like names and people and stuff like that and i got a little last half lost halfway but i could have just said guy two and guy three but since i had their names i just threw them in there well if they're real people but they should have been yeah but but i mean it would have been easier just to understand it should be like husband one husband two husband three what i'm bad with names so but there were two women who had husband one two three two and there were so many repeating names too because like but there were like one had a middle name rosa but then the other one was a rosa and then there was like that friend who named her daughter Rosa. So well, yeah, there was a lot of people. Second John Palmer's middle name was Rose, but the woman before yeah. who was married to his grand uncle was Rosa. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I was keeping track, but at the same time, I was like, which one are you talking about now? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. the one thing that we can guarantee from that story is people really sucked with names back then. There was just no. I creativity. guess they were just yeah, they were not creative, perhaps. I mean. I should stop complaining when people have weird names these days because at least they're being interesting, which is good. Yeah, I guess yours isn't very common, Chase. It's not that common, no. But Palmer, apparently, is very common, so. It's it's a cool name. Is it, It's an awesome name. (laughs) No, Chase isn't that common, and the biggest problem is if I'm anywhere with a slight noise in the background and I introduce myself where, like, at a bar or a pub, and I introduce myself as Chase, people always hear Jason, Oh right, yeah, that's right. And if I if I, it's me- like they. I think it's because they hear Chase and they're like, "Oh, I'm sure I didn't hear the rest of the word." Uh-huh. And they're like, "Cause it's so loud." I agree. And if I meet people like at jobs for the first time, and I tell them my name is Chase, then like a day later when they see me and they can't remember my name, they always think my name was Chance. Okay, that is so weird. That one's a little weird. Maybe because they know it's one syllable, and well, they're like, "Hey, maybe yeah. it's like." Chance, Chase, but see, or I, whatever. I'd understand Chad more because Chad's a name that is actually used. I don't think I've ever met someone named Chance. Uh, no. But I've so. met Chads before. I mean, my cousin, cousin is, is named Chad. Chad. Yeah. So it's so um, you know, if someone says, "Oh, Chase, Chad," they're both kind of single syllable. They kind of start with the same sound, but like Chance, I'm like Chance. People get my name wrong all the time too. Like I stopped saying Liliana. For many years now. Oh, because they would say Lillian? When <laughs> They'll they be like, back. Lillian. I'm like, I literally said Liliana. <laughs> Do I look like a six-year-old woman to you? And, you know, it's actually even more... <laughs> yeah. It's even more frustrating when it's written down and people look at the paper and then look dead in my eyes and say, oh, hi, Lillian. I'm like, bitch, did you not see the <laughs> A at the end? I don't actually think the name Lillian is particularly bad or anything, but it's just like not my name. Right. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, I mean, you were almost there. It was almost there. It's like someone saying like, hey, hey, (laughs) Chad. Or they call me, or they call me Chasian. 
change. They just add letters. <laughs> I'm like, fine. I think Let's the one it. that always gets me the most mis- mispronounced name ever, and this was when I told it to them. It was at a coffee shop, and I was like, yeah, uh, and they're like, what's the name? And I'm like, Lily. So they wrote it on the cup and you know to like give me the order later, and they're like Elliot, Elliot. <laughs> I'm like sitting there and I know for a goddamn fact that I'm the only one who's ordered coffee for a while, but I'm kind of just like holding off, like I'm like oh I guess Elliot. There was some Elliot around that I didn't see, and they're like and then they read the order and I'm like well that was very specific order. It was mine. They heard Elliot. <laughs> so you need, you need to walk up to them afterwards. They're like, who took my order? Like, so like, First of all, I'd be talking to the person who took my order. So that would be really passive aggressive <laughs> of me to do that. That's how you get them back reading the name wrong, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I don't of, know who it was, well, but... Like, I mean, all's well that ends well. Food was correct, and they're great people. And so and my coffee, and, they, and, and, no, and no yeah. Elliot missed their coffee. Like, I didn't yeah, so take we're not, anyone. we're not whining or anything. I'm just, my, my curiosity <laughs> is, like, how do you hear these weird names? Like, it makes me self-conscious. Yeah. I'm like, how am I talking? Like, am yeah. I even saying words correctly yeah. anymore? I mean, if, I, if I say my name is Mary, and you write Cynthia, I'm like, what's going on here? Like <laughs> You edit syllables, my dear. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I was like, this is a little weird. <laughs> I don't um, know. But well. anyway. So I don't know what I'm gonna do next week. I, I was I found a lot of really good beachy scary stories. So I don't know if I'm gonna ride this for a while or if I'm gonna sprinkle them throughout. So we'll find out. Cool. So thank you guys for listening. I think that brings us to the end. We'll stop ranting on about our terrible names. <laughs> and, uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, if you guys ever want to get in contact with us or just like say hi, please do so. We are on social media. You know, obviously. Instagram, Hair of the Werewolf on Facebook. We have an email as well if you guys want to send recommendations that way. It's hotwpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, da, 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 I'm trying to think of other things that I'm forgetting. Anything? Nothing important. I didn't think so. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And of course, if you're listening to this while you're hungover, do not worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>